Gonzaga has time to do something. Suggs for the win. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Unbelievable. Classic basketball game. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, we'll be going over the crazy national championship that happened just last night. Uh, take a look at the NBA standings as the playoff picture is starting to get a little bit more clear. Some more... Uh, college coaching jobs that that have uh, been filled. So look at the transfer portal. We're going to take a quick look at uh, some of the players that have already entered the NBA draft. And then later on, um, we'll talk about a few teams around the league, who's scary, who's not, um, as you know, we're going to begin to shift things towards the NBA, the NBA side with college basketball coming down to a close. So I hope everybody had a great week. Hope everybody enjoyed the final four, uh, final four national championship. There were some, there were some crazy games. I'm going to tell you that right now. They, um, particularly, uh, the North Carolina and, uh, Duke game in the, in the final four. And then obviously the national championship last night was absolutely crazy, but we'll go over that in a few. First things first, we're going to tackle a couple of the, revelations that have gone on in the transfer portal. So some news broke today. Daryl Banks, Matthew Lee, and Doug Eddard. All you college basketball fans probably know those three names after these past three weeks, but they're St. Peter's big three. All entered the transfer portal today. Not a shock as Shaheen Holloway officially took the Seton Hall job. Um, I I was making this prediction during their tournament run um, as Holloway was most likely going to get the Seton Hall job. I think a couple of these guys, I don't know if all three, but I think a couple of these guys are going to be headed to Seton Hall, to be completely honest with you. I think they're, they're, this is the first stage of following in Holloway's footsteps. Um, but there's, but it's no shock that, you know, they're all transferring as they all had three big years. They're becoming household names for college basketball fans. Uh, and, you know, they kind of elevated themselves onto the map with their great tournament run. So, the, their stock is going to be at an all-time high. I'm sure that you know, even if they can't get, don't get looks at Seton Hall, they're going to get looks at a good, good amount of other schools, especially Matthew Lee and Daryl Banks, who are big-time players. Um, I'm a big fan of Matthew Lee. I think that he's a great point guard. I think that he, I think he's a great ball handler too. So I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where these 
you know, where these three guys end up landing. I, th- I have a feeling it's going to be Seton Hall, but, you know, we'll end up waiting and seeing. And this just broke right before the show started. Oscar Shedboy wins the Wooden Award Player of the Year. Obviously, things have been coming out. You know, it's, um, you know, he's won the AP Player of the Year, all that kind of stuff. But there's so many different Player of the Year uh, awards. But the Wooden Award is the main one. It's basically the Heisman of college basketball. Um, so Oscar Shedboy wins player of the year unanimously. I saw it too, which doesn't come as a surprise to anybody, anybody who watched Shedboy all season long, you know, average 17 or 15 for a top 10 team in the nation consistently had an all around amazing season. So there, there is really no shock that, uh, that he would win player of the year. There's definitely some other guys in the race. Keegan Murray was a strong candidate. Johnny Davis was a strong candidate. O'Shea Baji, who ended up winning a national championship last night, uh, was was definitely in the running for it. But Shebway had to come away with it. I did, I don't see any other way that um, that it could have gone. You know, it's good that he ended up winning it because that's that's the exact way that um, everybody expected, and you know the only way that the only outcome that truly should have happened. And we'll jump into, so those are a couple of college basketball's main headlines, but now we'll jump into who's declared for the NBA draft. So with the madness that's been going on with March madness, there's been a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of guys declaring for the NBA draft and they're kind of sneaking under the rug. You know, a lot of people haven't seen a ton of the names that have, that have really declared, but it's, there's been a good amount of them, and yeah, I'm here to catch you up on uh, on some of the big names who have decided to declare for the draft. Uh, first off, in the, I'm putting together my top 100, so I'll give you guys my current ranking of these guys uh, as we go through. But uh, starting with some of the honorable mentions, Gabe Brown from Michigan State, senior power forward, one of the better players this year. He's declared, and he's not coming back to school. Um, Josh Minot. From Memphis, a freshman declared. He said that he's not coming back to Memphis, but he declared and is just testing the waters. Uh, might end up transferring as well, but he's not going to be returning to Memphis. They kind of underutilized him a little bit last year. Iverson Molinar, who was one of Mississippi State's best players this past season, he declared for the draft. He's also just testing the waters. He's only a junior. Um, Ron Harper Jr. was another one. Uh, he declared just testing the wires, but he is a four-year senior, most likely going to stay in there. He's looking at like a second-round selection. Uh, Jake LaRavier from Wake Forest, who is a junior, he's also declared to just to test the waters. Um, David Roddy from Colorado State declared. Um, the the two of them are just testing the wires. They're both looking at potential second round picks as of right now. Julian Champagny for us St. John's fans. He declared and he's staying in the draft. No shock there. He had a great season this year. Um, it was it was a bit of a shock when he uh, not not completely a shock, but it was a bit of a surprise uh, when he decided to come back last season after declaring for the draft. We thought that he was he was going to be gone, but he decided to run it back one more year with St. John. So everybody everybody knew that this was his last year with the Johnnies, uh, and he's going to declare for the draft. He's staying in the draft. Kevin McCuller from Texas Tech. I've said I've mentioned his name probably more than any other podcast has mentioned his name 
except for maybe a Texas Tech podcast, a Texas Tech fan podcast. But he's one was one of the catalysts of Texas Tech this year. One of their best players, great three and D kind of guy. Uh, name of the show. So of course we got to mention him. But he declared for the draft, just testing the waters. Haven't seen him uh, appearing in many NBA draft boards, but you know he's a he's the kind of guy that that could compete in the combine and you know to take some take some take it from there. Bryce McGowan's as well from Nebraska freshman. Uh, he declared that he's staying in the draft. So there's um, not too much of a shock there. Some people have him in the first. Some people have him falling all the way to the second. He is a great talent. He's a five-star recruit for Nebraska this year, but it's a little bit of an inefficient shooter. Uh, had had very low field goal percentage and had, had pretty low splits, but it's, has a lot of potential, especially on the offensive end. So he's definitely, so he's going to be in Trevion Williams from Purdue is declared and he's staying in too. He of course has the option to play a fifth year. He was a senior this year, but he, he has the option to return for that extra year of eligibility that everybody gets. Uh, But he has decided that he's going to withdraw from college and he's going to remain out and declare for the NBA draft. Um, Besides Trevion Williams, we also got Jalen Williams, who was one of Arkansas's better players. Uh, he declared yesterday, I believe. Uh, he's just testing the water. That's now Blake Wesley, who was one of Notre Dame's top players this year, big-time freshman. He declared he's staying in the draft. Kendall Brown from Baylor also declared staying in the draft. Both of them projected to be first-round picks. Tari Eason uh, declared staying in the draft. That's that's completely another. That's a completely different story right there, Uh about LSU, all of their um, Ryan Mc, McMahon, Matt McMahon is really going to have to start from scratch with that squad uh, at LSU because their their entire roster of of um, players that Will Wade brought in and players from this year are either in the transfer portal or declared for the draft, and all of their incoming freshmen all um, reclassified and are. Uh, opening back up their um, their college search again. So Matt McMahon is going to have to start from scratch with that LSU team. They might go through a very, very rough period the next few years after losing Will Wade. That, w- that was a stinger for LSU basketball fans for sure. Um, EJ Liddell, another big one. Um, him and Malachi Branham are both declared for the draft. Liddell, Junior, he doesn't plan. He doesn't plan on going back. He's going to. He's most likely going to be first round pick. Malachi Branham probably will not go back either. But he said that if he can get, if he can get a guarantee that he'll be in the first round, he's going to stay. He's going to come out. But if he falls on draft boards, he'll go back to school, which I think would be a smart choice. Walker Kessler, another one who's declared is going to stay in. He's he flew up draft boards this year, averaging four blocks a game for Auburn. Uh, you know he's an athletic seven foot one big man, who he's and he's going to be probably even a potential lottery pick. So he's he declared he's going to stay in. Johnny Davis also declared. Uh, Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivy, and Jabari Smith declared today. Those are all potential lottery picks that it, all everybody expected. So waiting to hear from Paolo Banchero, um, who obviously was eliminated uh, three days ago from the tournament. So we haven't really heard anybody from Duke, even though Duke has the potential of having five first round picks in this upcoming draft. 
with uh, with uh, Bancaro, Williams, Keels, Moore, and um, who else am I missing? Missing another big one. Um, not Roach, but um, those two. Well, those mainly. Oh, and AJ Griffin too. AJ Griffin. So those five potential, all potential first round picks. Uh, so we'll definitely be hearing from them soon. But Chad Holmgren, another guy that we're waiting to hear from. Shaden Sharp is going to be an interesting one, in my opinion. Did not play a single game for Kentucky this season. Uh, was supposed to be in the class, in next year's class. Uh, class of 20, he was supposed to graduate high school this year. Reclassified, practiced with the team this year. Wasn't ready for game time, so decided to sit out for the time being. But it's... Um, he's still projected to possibly be a lottery pick without ever playing a college basketball game, just practicing with the Kansas team. So that that's going to be an interesting one. I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't at least declare uh, and test the waters at first and then maybe, you know, see how it goes. But it's, a lot of Kentucky fans are holding out hope that he's going to return for, um, his, for his senior year, uh, for his sophomore year, I should say, uh, next year, which would – Give Kentucky a huge boost, huge boost. So those are the, some a few of the guys who have declared. Obviously, in the coming episodes, we'll um, get more in depth on more guys who declare. I'm sure over this next week, we're going to uh, hear a lot more. April 24th is the deadline to declare for the NBA draft, so uh, everybody's got about three weeks until uh, the deadline is up, and for you to put your name into the NBA draft pool and then obviously in may we have the combine and then we're back to a june draft this year which will be really good uh definitely going to plan something special for the three and d for this year's draft but those are a few guys who declared kind of snuck under the radar a little bit uh another big big underrated uh head coaching move thad mata uh took the butler job very very interesting did not even know that he was in the running for it, only 54 years old. Um, he, his first head coaching job came at Butler in the 2000 to 2001 season. Then he took over Xavier from 01 to 04 and was most most known for his job at Ohio State from 2004 to 2017 before Chris Holdman took over there. Uh, he was there for 14 seasons, and he's been out of out of college basketball for the past few years since the 16-17 season when Ohio State let him go. And he'll be rejoining – he'll be uh, coming back to Butler where he played college basketball from 87 to 90, was an assistant from 91 to 94, and also assistant again from 97 to 2000, and the head coach for one season. So he's got a long history at, at Butler, and he's going to take over their head coach. They obviously fired Laval Jordan uh, earlier in the week, which was a very interesting move. I saw a lot of – uh, college basketball analysts going off about that, and I don't, I don't disagree with uh, with their sentiment because it was a very, very late firing. It kind of took Laval Jordan out of the running for any other job that he would want. He would really want to do um, that. He would probably try to get, but it's, it. So it was. It was kind of. It was kind of messed up in a way. But it's, you know they ended up getting Thad Mod. I mean Butler comes in, comes away doing pretty good. I mean Laval Jordan was a bit of a project. Uh, I, I thought he did a pretty decent job 
with Butler, but um, besides that, you know, that's well, hopefully he gets an assistant coaching job and can be back as being a head coach again soon, because I do think that Laval's got some potential, but Thad Mata is going to take over the Butler job. I'm telling you, people are loading up in the big East. There is a lot of, of big time coaching talent now in the big East with, um, with Miller taking the Xavier job. You got Chalk Smart now on Marquette. You still got Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, who hasn't done the most amazing job, but it's, it's a huge name. The the Big East is loading up with uh with talents and the, with big name coaches, which you love to see. So jumping over from college basketball, we'll take a look at the NBA for a little bit and then we'll jump back into the national championship. Gotta give my review. But first off, we'll go over the NBA playoff picture. As we've been doing the last few weeks, uh, the season's getting ready to wrap up in the next week or two. Uh, most teams only have five or six games left. Um, more Usually more like five, but the way that it's looking right now, uh, the Eastern Conference pool of 10 is already set. Uh, the Knicks, Wizards, Pacers, and Pistons, and Magic have all been eliminated. So they're all out of contention. So the top 10 teams have all been set. Question is, who's going to be in the play-in? Who's going to be what seed? Uh, the Miami Heat's still sitting at number one right now at 51 and 28. So they have three games left this now in, on the season, uh, and they're sitting they're sitting in first place with they have a three games left with a two game lead. So they they're pretty comfortable with potentially getting that one seed in the East. The Boston Celtics are right behind them, two games back uh, with two to play. You know, I, I said four or five before. It's more like two or three for a lot of these teams. Uh, the season's going to wrap up like just about this week. Um, and then the Milwaukee Bucks are in third right now. They're tied with the 76ers at two and a half back. They're both 40 and 30, which means that both teams will have four games left. Uh, and they, they're tied for third and fourth right now. The Bucks have the tiebreakers. So the Bucks are the three seed. The Sixers are the four seed. The Bulls are sitting at five, at five and a half back. They're tied with the Raptors. Both teams are 45 and 33. Uh, the Bulls are sitting at the five. Raptors are sitting at the six. And the the four playing teams, those those six seem like they're pretty much locks to be uh, the six that, that move on and don't have to worry about the play-in because the Raptors have a two-and-a-half game lead with four to play. Uh, in the six spots over the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers are in the seven, eight games back uh, at 43 and 36. They've been on a bit of a full four and six in the last 10 games. That's what's kind of cost them. And then the Atlanta Hawks are nine and a half back, sitting in the eight spot. The Charlotte Hornets uh, are 40 and 38. Same with the Nets. They're both tied at 40 and 38, 10 and a half back. Right now the Hornets have a tiebreaker, so – Hornets would be at nine, Nets would be at ten. So as the so as the playoff picture is sitting right now, you would have the Cavs hosting the Hawks in the first playing game. Winner of that game gets the seven seed and would meet up with the Celtics in the first round. And then you have the Hornets would host the Nets as of right now. Um, and the winner of that game would play the loser of Cavs versus Hawks. Then the winner of that game would. Um, would play would become the eighth seed and play the Miami Heat, and then the other two matchups that are look that you know could go any which way because both these teams are tied right now. The three versus six looks like Milwaukee and Toronto, and the four versus five looks like Philadelphia and Chicago. So it's it's really neck and neck. 
most teams have two to four games left. It's we're coming down to the final week of the season. Uh, and you know, there's still, there's still a bit of a mashup. You know, I think that, I think Miami is, is pretty locked in as the one seed. That's what it seems like it's going to happen. But the Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers are all within a half a game of each other. So they're in the two, three, and four. So it can go any which way. The Celtics are sitting at two right now. They can end up being the four seed. You know, you never know. Um, and then the Bulls and Raptors are tied right now. Uh, the, and the Bulls have the tiebreakers. So it could be that could go in any which way too. The Raptors can end up being the five. Bulls can end up being the six. But it seems like those six are going to uh, advance and the Cavaliers, Hawks, Hornets, and Nets are going to have to figure out an order for the play-in, which is going to be very interesting. So it's going to be a very interesting final end of the uh, end of the season here. The 10 teams are already set. Um, and then the Western Conference, Phoenix Suns have already locked up the one seed. They did that last week. They have a seven-game lead in first place, so they're locked in at, at the one seed, 62-16. and 16. Absolutely incredible season for the Suns this year. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are pretty much locked in as the two seed. They have a five and a half game lead over the Warriors as as the two seed at, at fifty five and twenty three. Uh, so it looks like the Suns one and Grizzlies two is pretty much a definite. Then you got the Warriors who are sitting at three uh, are twelve and a half back, and then the Mavericks are sitting at four thirteen and a half back. The Mavericks are sneaking up there. And they they're making a push to potentially be the three seed. Denver Nuggets are at are sitting at the five seed right now at fifteen and a half back, and the Utah Jazz are at six with sixteen games back. So the three through six um, can go any which way. To be completely honest with you, because there's there's a three and a half game dif- difference between the three and the six seed, the Warriors and the Jazz, and they're all on top of each other. So that could definitely. Uh, stagger any which way, but it seems like, but it seems like the Jazz still have to worry about the Timberwolves though, because the Timberwolves are only a game and a half behind them, with um with four games left to play. The Timberwolves have have three games left. The Jazz have four games left, but it looks like uh, the Timberwolves are only a game and a half behind the Jazz for the sixth spot. And if that were to happen, the Jazz would fall into the play-in. But the but the other play-in teams um can't possibly make it make it higher than the play in the the clippers have already clinched a play in spot uh they're tw- they're 23 and a half games back six games behind the timberwolves who are in seven then the pelicans are uh then the pelicans spurs and lakers right now are three teams battling for two spots for the two play in spots right now the pelicans have a three-game lead over the Lakers. The Spurs have a two-game lead over the Lakers, and the Lakers are sitting at the 11 seed right now, two games behind the Spurs, uh, with four to play. So it's going to come. It's going to come down to the wire. The Lakers have been on a downfall. You know, we've been over it plenty of times this year. They're on a six-game losing streak now, two and eight this season, three and 11 in their division this year. They, they're obvious. They're in the toughest division in the NBA with the Clippers, uh, them the Suns, the Warriors, all and the Kings all in, in the same division. So they're definitely in a tough division, but, but they have, have had an absolutely terrible year and they're sitting at the 11 seed right now. And they're two games behind the Spurs. And now it looks like they're taking on the Suns tonight. And it looks like LeBron's not going to play again tonight, which they could really, really use him. I can tell you that they, every game is a must win right now for the Lakers. 
in order to make the playoffs. Um, but it looks like that could, those can go any which way. But that's a good segue into the next segment. Um, LeBron James. It seems like you know it could it could really go any which way with um, with uh, with how the Lakers end up doing. But every game is a must win, and LeBron's sitting out again today. Obviously, he's injured, but it's it's tough to not notice the games that he picks and chooses when to play. Um, you know, he's he's sat out the last two games, two very difficult games. Uh, they're taking on the Suns tonight, who are obviously the best team in the NBA, and they took on the um, the Nuggets before that, but played against the but then he played against the Pelicans. Uh, the game before and had 38 points. So they've got the Suns coming up and they got Golden State coming up. So what I want to see is he's not playing against the Suns tonight. They got Golden State on Thursday. Don't think he'll play against Golden State, in my opinion. That means there's, there'll be two games left Friday and Sunday. Oklahoma City on Friday. I, I got a feeling that LeBron's going to play against Oklahoma City on Friday. And he might play. Um, especially if Sunday's a meaningless game that Denver sits a lot of their guys, he might end up playing on Sunday too. And that gets to the point of where LeBron James had in his career. In my opinion, the championships are behind him. I don't think that uh, this Lakers team is any bit fit to uh, to even compete in the near future. They're stuck with a lot of bad contracts. They got too many veterans. They've got no... Uh, draft picks upcoming. There's there's very few reasons to believe that the Lakers are going to start to compete anytime soon. And I think LeBron knows that. He signed the long-term deal with the Lakers. He loves to be in Los Angeles. And at this point in his career, he is focused on the individual achievements. Uh, he's set to possibly pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the NBA's all-time leading scorer next season. I think he's looking at that. You know, he's trying to win the scoring title this year. He's trying to do a lot of things to pad his his stats before he goes out. He knows he's probably done with four championships. He's he's that's probably just how it's going to end. He's going to end up with four championships. Michael Jordan had six. Kobe had five. That'll always be a knock on him. Is the is the four championships? But I think, in my personal opinion, I think that's his main focus right now is potentially playing with his son in the future and trying to get individual accolades. Now I've always been a huge LeBron critic. Uh, I don't, I think he's the second best player of all time. I don't think he is. He's never been as good as Michael Jordan. Um, He's never been as dominant as Michael Jordan, but he, you know, as an avid basketball fan as I am, you know, I can appreciate how great he has been for a long time. That's why I think he's the second best player ever. But, um, and I'm, and by saying this too, I'm not specifically knocking him. I'm not saying that that's even like the worst decision on his part, but I'm just saying that it's becoming evident that at this point in his career, it's, it's about the accolades and the team that is getting put around him is, is not going to help him. He's starting to get injury prone. You know, he's pushing 40 now. He can only, he's been playing since 2003. You know, there's, there's only so, even the people who are in the best shape eventually will break down. So that's, that's definitely got to be tough. He's, 
I think what his main focus right now is to try to break as many records as he can, win as many awards as he can. So that way you can, so that way a lot of people can make the argument that he was the greatest player of all time, even with four championships. Um, I think we, I think he really wants to win a scoring title this year. That's why I think he's part of, part of the reason why he's sitting out some games because if this is LeBron James we're talking about, he has he has a sprained ankle. If we've seen this all throughout his career, if he really thought that they had a chance in the playoffs or um, you know could smell a ring or something like that he would be pushing through and playing in these games. You know, he, I don't, I don't even think he cares about making the plan. He would, he wouldn't even mind not making the plan. In my personal opinion, I think that part of the reason, part of the thing is he's trying to preserve some of his stats. He's trying to um, pick and choose the games that he plays in. And, you know, the main goal at this point, unless there's some miracle where the Lakers, you know, land uh, some of the best young talent in the NBA the trade for John Moran or something like that, which would never happen. Um, his main his main goal for next season, of course, he's going to tell everybody that it's winning a championship, all that kind of stuff. But if Westbrook returns, if Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis will return. Anthony Davis is great, but if Westbrook is back and their veteran core that has not been able to do much this season is back. His main goal is going to be to become the NBA's all-time leading scorer for next season. That's that's just the bottom line, and you're kidding yourself if you don't think so. Because the Suns are not going anywhere, the Bucks are not going anywhere, the Nets are not going anywhere. Once the Nets get fully healthy with Ben Simmons, it's going to be a tough league, and you know LeBron's LeBron's time is beginning to pass. So I think that that's a big part of it. And that's kind of where his mind, his mind is right now, in my personal opinion, obviously um, I could be completely wrong, but it's, you know, having, having watched my LeBron James for his entire career, you know, I can pick up on some things and knowing basketball the way that I do, I can pick up on some things and it's, and it seems that that's his, that that is his main goal. And I'm not sitting here criticizing it either. I'm not sitting here saying that like it's it's pathetic that he's doing that. You know, he should be playing every game, all that kind of stuff. Because to be honest with you, he's achieved enough. He's won four championships. He doesn't have a good team around him. I don't get, I don't necessarily blame him for um for wanting to pick and choose what games he plays and try win the scoring title. Try do it all he can to pass Kareem next season, and you know he's trying to buff up his stats so that way you. So he can make an even stronger argument that he's the best player of all time. So, you know, he's won a championship with three different franchises. He's great. I don't think that, you know, I think all the championship losses and among several other things is reason enough to keep Jordan ahead of him. But, um, you know, there's always going to be people that are going to argue that LeBron's the greatest. I mean, there's going to there's be people that argue that Kobe's the greatest, people that argue that Shaq's the greatest, you know, I've heard I've heard people argue that Larry Bird's the greatest. It's it can go any which way. So that's my thoughts on the LeBron James situation. And jumping over from that, we'll get into our last segment. The Kansas Jayhawks are your 2022 national champions. Uh, they won March Madness. Season wrapped up last night. Uh, they were able to knock off Kansas. They were not able to knock off Phil. They were sorry. 
they were able to knock off UNC, I should say, um, in a really, really close one that was an all-out tug-of-war. Uh, they were they won 72 to 69. We, you know, North Carolina basically had the game under control for pretty much the entire game. And then uh, Kansas bursted out in the second half and completely took over. Um, the North Carolina, one thing I got to say about North Carolina is uh, they're, they're such a gritty team. You know, Hubert Davis has that team locked in. Uh, you got RJ Davis, who played all 40 minutes last night. Uh, Baycott. Played, played 38 out of 40 minutes after spraining, basically spraining his ankle a game ago and sp- basically spraining it again um, on the same game. and still had 15 points, 15 boards. Brady Manick took an elbow to the face, looked like he got knocked out cold. He still had 13 points, 13 rebounds, four blocks, shot three of six from downtown. Uh, Caleb Love twisted his ankle as well, ended up still having 13 points. I mean, this team is all an all-out gritty team. It's difficult, though. Um, to, you know, win anything when you only go six deep. They had their starting five of Baycott, Manic, Davis, Love, and Black. And Puff Johnson was the only one off the bench that got significant minutes. He played 18 minutes. Uh, and he ended up throwing up on the court, too. Like, it was it was crazy the kind of performance that this North Carolina team was able to put out there. And they were almost able to scratch out a win, which was crazy against a Kansas team that is so much better than them. And Kansas, on the other hand, David McCormick breaking out towards the end of the season was the greatest thing that could have happened to this Jayhawks team because that was the difference maker. Uh, Brian Martin, I think, in my opinion, too, getting him as a grad transfer was another difference maker that kind of put them over the edge. He had a great tournament, scored 14 points off the bench again last night in 21 minutes. But Christian Brown played absolutely amazing, 12 points, 12 rebounds, Unbelievable defense, played all 40 minutes. Uh, Jalen Wilson had a, a big game kind of turning into the player that they hoped he would be as a freshman last year. Uh, had 15 points, four boards. O'Shea Abaji had 12 points in 37 minutes. Abaji didn't even have a, that huge of a game. It was McCormick who was the big catalyst of the game. It truly was. McCormick had 15 points and 10 boards, uh, 7 of 15 inside. Uh, he had that hook shot to basically put the game away to get them up by three and North Carolina wasn't able to come down and hit a three uh, air bolt a couple and the game was pretty much over from there, but an all out amazing game. You know, that's everything that you would want from a national championship. You got last night. It was, it was absolutely stupendous uh, North Carolina. You got to give credit to them. I felt bad for them. Um, you know, as an eight seed, making it all the way to the, to the national championship is hard enough, let alone winning the entire thing. Um, you know, North Carolina, they, they had the talent, but when you only go six deep, it, it's, it's evident that the team runs through Armando, Armando Baycott. Uh, that's pretty significant. That's pretty obvious in my opinion, because, uh, if he's not on his game, the, the rest of the team suffers big time. And if he, for some reason, wasn't able to play this game, it would have ended up being a blowout. Um, and you, the fact that he was able to even push through that sprained ankle was huge. So the Kansas Jayhawks end up winning it all. Uh, 2022 National Champions gives Bill, gives Bill Self his long-awaited second ring. It's been a long time since, since the Mario Chalmers days when he won his first ring. 
at Kansas, but he finally wins his second. So happy for them, happy for Kansas, happy for Abaji. Um, probably a good shot that Abaji leaves. Could be a first-round pick in this year's draft. Uh, Christian Brown potentially could leave too. He's he's flirting with a late first-round pick, early second round. Uh, David McCormick too could get some looks. So, you know, Kansas is always going to bring in a pretty good recruiting class too. Re- uh, Remy Martin's going to leave. Uh, Jalen Coleman Lands will definitely leave because they were both grad seniors uh, this year, so they have to leave. Uh, Remy Martin, I think, will get some looks in the NBA. He's always been an intriguing prospect, even with his days at Arizona State. But Kansas ended up winning it all. Um, they were a strong team all season long. Give a lot of credit to them. You know, they kind of kind of underlooked when a lot of people were kind of choosing who they thought were going to win the national title. A lot of Gonzagas, a lot of Dukes, you know, a lot of people uh, kind of pushing Kansas off to the side and they ended up they ended up taking it all, which was uh, an all, just an all-around great game. You know, if as long as you don't have a dog in the fight, it's it was it was an amazing game on both on in every aspect as a college basketball fan. So um, that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. Want to thank everyone who tuned into the Review and Preview Network to watch another episode of the Three and D, and to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. You can also follow the show on Twitter at the 3 and D. We're very active on Twitter, posting clips, posting my thoughts while watching games, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so interact with us there. The 3 and D, that's our main spot of that's our main source to find everything 3 and D. Hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and stay tuned for more updates and brand new episodes coming every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. We'll see you next Tuesday and have a great night, everyone.